feel like there's a huge gap. Are you between. leaning too close? Well, I'm not necessarily leaning. Oh, okay. But if I'm, yeah, here we Man, go. Man, I've got this, so you bring yourself as close as you need to be there, buddy. All right. Are they reasonable? Uh, yep. You ready? Yes, sir. Cool. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom, and stepping in for the beautiful, the effervescent, the transient Kristen Pennington this week is the beautiful, the effervescent, the bearded Nicholas <laughs> Bruyard, my fucking brother. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank Good. you for that introduction, mm-hmm. bro, and thanks for having me on. I wanted to give you like three extra adjectives. <laughs> I meant to write them down earlier. I didn't have them. Uh, I'm not really good at the whole starting these situations thing. Um, <clears throat> we're running this uh, out of Nick's, what do we we call the uh, apartment? Is that what yeah, you refer yeah, to? Yeah, I suppose that would be a technical classification. Yeah, I'm, I am stuck in the dungeon, guys. We got this thing hooked up to a little table. We are a portable little podcast studio today. Um, this is the, uh, I think, the first official guest that doesn't have Kristen on it. This might be the first podcast. It is the first podcast that doesn't have her on it. so Which is a tragedy. Yeah. So shout out to Kristen. You're going to be editing it later. Love you, sweetheart. You're doing great. Can't wait to see you. Hopefully, by the time you guys hear this, uh, she'll be back up this way. We'll have a second mic. We'll bring Nick back on unless uh, you guys stone us to death. <laughs> so, um, I guess kind of the, the theme that we're running with today is um, I get a lot of commentary not in my favor for not knowing a whole lot about what uh, most would classify as the, the nerdier side of things. And Nick is a incredibly intelligent, hyper-creative guy who's really into like Warhammer and uh, the Belagarth type of thing um, that a lot of people don't, outside of those circles, don't get a lot of exposure to. And I think there, there's a lot to, uh, to learn from a thing like that. So we're going to try to have a conversation. Um, more or less about that but why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself man well i i they don't really offer a doctorate in nerdery but i, <laughs> but I come highly recommended um i lived in the, the same town for a, a long time 32 years of my life i am a jack of all trades master and none as it goes i've studied religion i've studied mathematics i am a musician um i enjoy war gaming yeah. i enjoy physical exercise when it will have me um, you have a welding I, degree from Bumfuck, Tennessee. I have a welding degree from Bumfuck, <laughs> Tennessee. I taught math at the same institution that gave me that uh, that welding degree while I was going to school there. Yeah. That was an interesting thing. Um, no, I've, I've lived a, a diverse life. That's, yeah. that's something to be said. I was in the Army first and um, reserves. Mm-hmm. I never actually went overseas. Um, I have a cat who's currently screaming in the other room. It's fine. We normally have Jack's lapping <laughs> at the water bowl and I end up screaming at him. We can't scream at Cassius because he's fucking insane and he'll come in here and kill both of us. So. And if we acknowledge him, that'll just make him go yeah, louder. So. We, so you said his name and he's going more frequently now. <laughs> I hear he can turn the lights off and be in bed before it gets dark. He tries. Yeah, it's Muhammad Ali quote. Cassius Clay reference. Uh, oh, I got there in the end. <laughs> I'm tracking. But when did you get into the uh, the Belagarth thing? Because you were into that, I think, before I met you. Yep, I got into Belagarth when I was 15 years old. Um, I was still in uh, high school, obviously. Yeah. And um, I was in a tree where I, I liked to be a lot of the times. They're comfortable places to read. Uh, people <laughs> leave you alone if you're reading a book in a tree. If, or if you're a grown man in a tree. 
At the time I was 15. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I saw you in your current body standing no, yeah. 32 years old in a park reading fucking The Catcher in the Rye. It's like, no, Nick, they're just going to leave you alone, bro. They don't know why you're in the tree. Yeah, no, nobody's going to talk to you. A 15-year-old reading a book in a tree. No, yeah, it's... So, so I'm sitting there, and my, my buddy, Zach Johnson, we had done a play recently yeah. together, uh, Fahrenheit 451, and uh, he comes over, and I, I've been watching him and his friends hit each other with these foam sticks, and I was like, what's this? And he's like, well, you want to come join us? And I was like, I'll give it a shot, really, yeah. just because, you know, I was 15, I was like, I want to be able to diss on it. And, and now I'm 32 years old, and... So you've been doing this longer than you weren't doing it. Yeah, yes. Yes, go. it has made up a majority of my life at this point. <laughs> um, and I love it. I love I love just about every aspect of it. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was hugely developmental for me in my life. Like, as, at 15 years old, most adults won't even talk at you, let alone mm-hmm. look at you. But when you're fighting the same guys on the field every single week and they have a, a vested interest in your development as a fighter. Because they need you later on for tournaments and stuff. Yeah, because they're trying to recruit you or whatever. But it's the first time, really, that adults start paying positive attention to you as a nerd. I know that, like, football kids, they really get talked to a lot because, you know, they're being scouted young yeah. for, for different things. you got to give them brain trauma before they <laughs> get their college scholarship. Exactly. That works. Bellagarth does not do headshots, by the way. Um, just saying. Safer for your children. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, but we are a full contact sport. So that's the other thing to remember is, uh, is it is, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, but going to that and having, again, adults who took an interest in my growth, my development, who I was as a person, that was, that was huge to eventually, you know, being accepted as an adult later on. Especially, you know, given the time that, uh, you were going to school, I was going to school, um, that type of behavior is not readily... Um, accessible, I guess, to, I don't want to call them normal high school students because I was far from a normal high school student, but you understand what I mean. Oh, yeah, most high school students. Trying to explain, hey, we're going out in the field, we're going to fight each other with swords. It's not something you bring up to a girl on a first date when you're, you're taking her to the Sonic or whatever. Well, you know, it depends because there's a lot of women in the nerd communities, yeah. especially in like Bellegarth, and, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was surprising how normal. A lot of aspects of life were, you know, you always joke about how uh, nerds are virginous and they have trouble getting laid and they, they never party or anything. These people have obviously never been to a Bellegarth event. Well, that's what I hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, then, it's all LSD and sex. No, I, I, I'm not. Orgies. Again, parents, if anybody's listening and thinking about putting their kids in this, um, it is not Woodstock. Um, there are certain camps that your kids should absolutely avoid because but do your the, research. Yeah. The, adu- the adults in those camps also are not inviting kids in. There is a very healthy uh, uh, culture, side culture in Bellagarth that keeps itself away from children for mm-hmm. the most part, or at least it tries to. Um, just tell your kids to be smart. If a dude comes up with eyes the size of the moon, just maybe not touch him. Yeah, just don't leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> if he breaks your jaw, don't go back to practice next Saturday. Go find cooler people. But again, that was also there was a small element of danger in yeah. my young life. Like I had never experienced anything like that before. My mother had always kept me very safe. She had mm-hmm. always kept me away from things like that. And so there were whole things about life that I had no knowledge of. And Again, at the lo- in a local Bellegarth scene, you're not going to get this stuff. Yeah. But sometimes at, at the larger national events, I mean, you got thousands of people. I mean, you travel for this stuff. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all over the nation. I went to stuff in Tennessee. I've gone to stuff, obviously, here in Montana, but in Washington, Idaho, California, uh, Illinois. Um, what was your first... Uh, and can, can you actually like explain like what Bellegarth is? Because I realized oh, yeah. we didn't like, lay out a definition for I it yet. I never did. I just kind of assumed... You gave me the definition... <laughs> 
So we're living in an isolated little section. So I'm, I'm talking about the nightlife uh, and the side culture of what is actually the Belagarth medieval yeah. combat society. And that is a uh, technically classified as like a boffer organization. Some people might call it a LARP. Uh, but it's really only as LARPy as you want it to be. Uh, most everybody dresses up in some um, quote-unquote period clothes. So that can be something inspired by fantasy or by history. Um, it can be as complex or as simple as you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, most people go ham on it because people like to floss. You know, people like to look fly, and that's okay. Yeah, you should. Um, yeah. If you're going out there, you're hitting people <laughs> with swords, dude. You got to go all out. You want them to hit the ground and be like, mm, <laughs> God, that guy looked good while he did it. Mm. That's 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 yeah. the, that's the highlight. So it's it's an org- It's uh, the whole thing is around foam fighting. Is around uh, a medieval style of combat where you got sh- swords, shields, spears bow and arrow, uh, mm-hmm. javelins, um, all sorts of different medieval stuff, and you're and you're going ham on each other on the field, and it's an actual martial art. It's an actual, um, it, it, yeah. There's it, like some people take it like the the there's been a the resurgence of people taking it really seriously. People used to just go out and hit their friends with foam sticks, yeah. but uh, really there's been a in the military. Remember the big punch oh, yeah. sticks you get in a yeah. big circle and you got to try to God, beat the I, shit out the other. I tell day. you what, when I was in, when I when we did that, yeah. the guy who was going against me came up to me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, "Man, I'm a black belt. So if you get beaten, just don't feel bad." And I'm like, "I've yeah. been beating the shit out of people <laughs> with foam sticks." Yeah. Since before you decided to even show interest in any of this, so I I I, I knocked the shit out of that kid. No, they put me in a they put me in the circle with a guy who must have weighed 125 pounds soaking wet, and oh, I just God. belted him across the jaw. I was like, "Good was, night." Was he the troublemaker of the unit? Were they trying I, to make I an example? I have no idea who the fuck's idea that was. I was like, "I'm definitely gonna jack this." Like I looked at the uh, the TI. I was like, "Hey, dude, I just uh, I don't know if this is such a good idea. <laughs> I'm about to fuck your boy up." But. So it all takes place in a field, and these things have mm-hmm. uh, like citywide, like you, like here, Missoula, right? Mm-hmm. Like Missoula's got a couple of chapters, if I understand. Uh, Missoula's got one chapter. Some cities are big enough to okay. have multiple chapters, uh, and some areas are big enough to have more chapters than others. For instance, Missoula is the only, as far as I know, um, fully functioning Belagarth realm in all of Montana. I know we had a sister realm that was going in Helena for a while. I haven't heard too much about that yet. I could just be out of the loop. Yeah. And I know there was something going on in Kalispell. And I know we've got some amp guard stuff going around, um, but the cross gaming isn't as strong around here, which is to say going to somebody else's mm-hmm. game. The rules are different enough that if you've learned certain ways of doing things, so for instance, Belagarth, there is no maximum hit. Yeah. I can put anything I want behind my hit into you, and it's legal. There are minimum hits, but in amp guard so it's the exact you can't like, graze somebody, you at least right. gotta pop them. Yeah, yeah, so if I, if I just like go past your arm, you're like, that was light, that wasn't shit, yeah. you know, you, 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 and so there's a there's a reason not to take it. In Amp Guard, uh, and in some of the lighter ch- sports, any shot counts, but they will absolutely get mad at you for hitting them too hard. So if yeah. you came up in Belagarth, where I'm trying to make your kidneys bleed with every shot, <laughs> the, the Amp Guarders don't want to fight me. Yeah. They don't want to, oh, to control your shots. Man, it's the way I trained. Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to try to hurt you. I'm out here working through some of my own shit. That's right. That's right. It's a catharsis thing as well for a lot of us. Yeah. I know it is for me. And um, these turn into, so like your city chapter would get these uh, national invites or is that something that happens online, like so, on a Reddit type thing? Or? So yeah, again, um, it's kind of like any other event. The way the way it works is so like, I'll, I'll talk about what we have going on here. Missoula, Montana has Stygia. We're the only realm in all of Montana. Yeah. Um, like in Tennessee, there's like 
a hundred realms within three <laughs> hours of like where I was. It was insane. That like the, the, and they're the more hidden than the homosexuals. Like, <laughs> but it was awesome because yeah. like because the events over there it's you could. <laughs> Sorry, like I have a breach right past They're more it. underground. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brother's gay, I'm allowed to say that. Not this brother, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Uh, but yeah, so, so like going to these large events is really just as easy as seeing one posted online. Facebook is the big medium at this time. There used okay. to be a, a national Bellegarth board, and I suppose there still is. But most people are on Facebook, and most people are looking and they're seeing, okay, there's a Bellegarth event in this city at this time at this park. So you go down there with all your camp and shit. You set up your camp with all of your teammates, your unit. We'll get into that That's later. That's right. You do stay there overnight. Mm -hmm. Like It turns well, into a whole weekend. Well, right? sometimes it depends on the event. My 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 event that I always tried to make uh, for the longest time, because it was my absolute favorite, is Chaos Wars down yeah. in Idaho. And that's a week-long event. That's a whole week of camping. of camping and partying and hangovers and then uh, beating the Fight crap out of your sun. friends. Like it's it, Viking life. Yes. It's Valhalla. <laughs> Especially if you're in your early 20s and you don't suffer yeah. from hangovers yet, it is Valhalla. <laughs> At this point, I have to pick my drinking night. I'm like, all right, Thursday, I'm going ham. Friday, I'm sleeping. Ain't nobody seeing me on Friday. Is it, is it like a uh, Renaissance festival where it's like mead and they've got like the stands or is it like everybody just hits the liquor store and gets trashed in the park? More like that. Oh, okay. I mean, cool. so, some people will bring like a homemade mead. Uh, yeah. Some people, and, and like the Eastern of events are totally different than western events and that was kind of the cool thing like in the west it's very much like a hangout with your friends yeah it, it's very much you're just in the park and and you go to around to the different camps and everybody's brought what they brought so like i usually bring some jd mm -hmm. you know, somebody brings some beer you know at some point people are making jungle juice like everybody just kind of brings their own but shares with everybody yeah. whereas in the east when i was going to some events out there they have these whole events where there's like a central area that is putting on this whole thing and it's like this, this. I mean, the West is trying to do this more and more as well because the hype is real. Yeah. But uh, in the East, it's like, like the, I went to the Tilted Tavern at, at one of the events out there, and it was this standing structure, this actual wooden structure with, with taps and everything in it that is like totally done up in medieval, just in the middle of the woods, in the middle of this park. And, and, it, and it was incredible. It was an incredible yeah. experience. The atmosphere there was just outstanding because it had, it had been there for so long and there had been so many stories that people had been weaving around this place that it had become in a way magical. And, and, and I know it's just a bunch of nerds getting drunk in the woods, but like, you oh, know. Dude, it sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> it's it sounds awesome. Like, like, like medieval nerd, like, uh, fuck, I've lost it. The goddamn ICP festival. ICP festival. Insane Clown Possible. Well, I know who you're talking about, but I just, I have no idea what the festival is called. Well, that, that festival. Like, that's all you think of. Like, it's just a bunch of clowns spraying Fago in the haunted woods. Like, this sounds like that for nerds. Like, <laughs> you go out there, get hammered in the woods, hang out at the Tilted Tavern. Now, now this has just been my summer. experience. I, I very much I'm not used... comparing you guys to ICP. <laughs> there are, there are, I, I know people who have never touched a drop of alcohol. There yeah. are absolutely places like camps and, and places where you can go where there are activities for people who are not wasted. Yeah. I happen to go that particular direction with my career, but a lot of my friends drink very responsibly. <laughs> a lot of them don't, and that's okay, but like, I, I yeah. just I don't want to necessarily paint the whole community as being wastrels, because we do have some very sober individuals. In my head, I would be hanging out with the uh, completely not sober people who are midnight fighting. You'd, in be, in my camp. You'd <laughs> be in my camp. Yeah. You want to have a fist fight? <laughs> no, laddie, let's go out there into the fields. 
talk like that. Oh, so much head. better. Like you start to get heated with somebody and you're like, let's just, just spar. No, you spar. Sparring is such an easy way to like de-escalate situations. Like you you don't realize how nice it is to just be able to fight somebody. No, I know. Like how in a controlled oh, okay. way. Okay. <laughs> in a controlled way until you're out in regular society and you suggest a casual sword fight as a means of resolving a discussion. And people look at you stranger and it's like, what? You don't do that? It, 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 immediately. <laughs> And it's safer. Like, I've been in fistfights and that sort of thing, too. And those are cathartic as well, but they often bring a lot more bruises yeah. than what I'm talking about. you have to run away about. from the cops at the end of the fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Even they, if both adults were consenting. You can't come back to the bar next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite bars, man. Oh, man, that sounds fucking <laughs> awesome. That's, like, one of the things we were talking about. Like, that creates that community of people. Mm-hmm. And that's what it did for you. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it brought you into this whole different world. That, oh, yeah. At the age of 32 is still very relevant. I mean, I'm sitting in uh, what I'm going to call the bunker, because the bunker sounds cool. <laughs> and we're surrounded in books. You've got books um, about the war hammer that's going on. You've got the uh, Nerf guns that are just hanging up on the walls. You've got the Hobbit map that's hanging out over here. Uh, is that Game of Thrones? Yep, that is Westeros and the whole rest of the known world right there. Exactly. So, no, man, it, it brought you into this whole different place and changed the trajectory of your life. That's very important. Well, it, it played very much into my original interest. I was already very much into history. I mean, ask everybody that, that I know. Like, I, I know a lot of people see me as a nerd, and the history thing probably doesn't help that fact. But um, I love history. I only <laughs> recently started reading fiction again. I have, by and large, been a history, philosophy, and religious studies guy for most of my career. And so this whole bookcase of, of fiction over here, this Warhammer 40K stuff, this is all in the last two years that I've read this. Wow. How many, how, how many, oh shit, the whole, those novels up there? All of these. I was looking at the all bottom. Of these. The, all of those. All of those. That's a three-stand uh, bookshelf for uh, those of you listening. I mean, you can't see it. We're not making a fucking video of this. <laughs> Sorry, I've been blessed with a cooler full of beer, and I, I feel like a king. <laughs> no, dude. And that's all based on this Warhammer thing, right? Yep, that's all with it. Like, this, this universe is incredible. It's been around, actually, as long as I've been alive. It came, the first stuff... Well, I thought it was brand new. I Rogue, was the Rogue like Trader, which was the first thing in this universe, came out in 1987. It oh, is literally shit. as old as I am. So D&D just overshadowed it, like, hardcore for like, well, mainstream? Yeah, because this can't, this wasn't as mainstream for as long because it is so much more hardcore. Yeah. You've, got, you've got, like, D&D tries to tone itself down. D&D, you've got these fights and stuff, but you're not talking in detail about the viscera painting the walls. You're yeah. not talking about these cultists, like like going in-depth to the insane mind that would worship these gods that demand the obeisance, which is to say sacrifice, mm-hmm. of the entire human race, which is a galaxy-spanning empire at this point. Like, th- this universe is so intense that I am... I, I know why more people aren't into it. Like, yeah, it's you, too complicated. Well, it's too complicated. You busted open the, 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 the box earlier, and I was expecting to see a board game with, like, a little map and maybe some cards. And oh, it, it's no. got like a whole goddamn model system. Mm-hmm. You got to build before we can even. You got to build it and paint yeah. it yourself. Because yep, yep. you brought it up, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I get to learn how to play the game. I can sign off at today's podcast and just go. Me and Nick are gonna go play a game. But no, it's gonna take you like three months to build this model set. That'll, that'll take me two days, mate. Well, you're, you're an anomaly. <laughs> <I> like, <laughs> Once I like again, you're one things. of the smartest fucking dudes I know. I know. <laughs> You'll have, you're, you're autistic when it comes to shit like that. You're going to be oh, overnight. It'll you know, be sometimes I've wondered if I was. And that's, not, a, that's not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. Like I, I, Some of the smartest people I know are on the spectrum. And I'm just yeah. kind of like, I, like, I'm socially awkward. I understand things in a different level. I'm not necessarily saying I'm smarter than other people. I'm just, I, th- I think I think about things different. And maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. I, like, Not that I'm saying autistic people are weird. But I'm just saying, like, 
uh, maybe I'm just not like the normal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or I could be autistic. I've never been tested. I don't know. I think most creatives are probably on the spectrum at one level or another. And if nothing else, I think uh, we're at least trying to ally with our uh, autistic brethren and sister Ren. Oh, yeah. They're the same. Um, but it, it is fascinating, the, like the level of creativity that goes into things like that. I oh, figured yeah. that the rules had all been set up kind of like chess, because like, no offense once again. Um before you started explaining all of this to me, I didn't understand the level of creativity. I figured oh, sure. nerds liked hard and fast rules. They wanted to play by hard and fast rules. I didn't realize that they were down for like whole world building exercises where their characters got like a fucking novel of itself where sure. you gotta understand their whole back history to understand what move they're gonna make. Well, uh, just Does like, everybody take it that seriously? Well, uh, Bellegarth and Warhammer are kind yeah. of the same in this regard, which is to say that you can go as in-depth to the character stuff and the character building as you particularly want to. There are people in Bellegarth who we call stick jocks. Yeah. And they literally have the minimum piece of garb they need, and then they just want to go out, hit their friends, and they have a weird name, and then they, they go and drink at night. They're stick jocks. They're just there for the martial art portion of it, yeah. and that's what they're about. And there are other people... Um, who go into this huge backstory building and they'll build like whole religions for their characters and these whole histories for these whole places so their character has context and like the level of creativity for these folks is just incredible and 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 they like like there's whole online forums just like I, if we ever put all this into a book I imagine that it would either sell very well or flop for 50 years and then become like the, the like the nerd next Canterbury thing. Tales. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, again, I've, I've like, I was listening to my friend Salamander. She was giving her witch doctor trial, which is there's this whole organization within Belagarth to certify you to be called a witch doctor within the Horde. And they're a storytelling people. Like, they have to learn the stories of the Horde, the stories the Horde has been telling for 20 years, and then create their own stories. So it's huh. a legi legitimate, like, so you got chapters within chapters, chapters within, yeah. yeah. So the comp again, again, and there's other people like my friend Toto, yeah. who he just comes out, hits people, and then he goes home. Well, That's all he wants out of it, you know. I, I think I think I relate more to Toto. <laughs> so, but, but again, so like what happened? All Brett welcome. showed up with an aluminum baseball bat. And he got sent home. <laughs> okay, he has some with foam sticks. I should probably make an addendum. Um, who was he? He was that guy from uh, Grand Theft Auto. He decided to uh, time travel. <laughs> That was my character's backstory. I'm not gonna... Yeah, and and nobody would bat an eye. Well, until I hit him with the. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you could you could like you could get a foam one of our foam weapons. <laughs> we have bats. You could put like a gray cover on it, and then like call it an aluminum bat. And I just show up in a Hawaiian T-shirt. I'm that dude from Vice City. Make it out of linen, and I don't care. Fuck. <laughs> Do that shit, son. But yeah, so the same thing is in Warhammer 40k. There's people who I listen to who literally do not know, like. There's a lot of podcasters about Warhammer 40k, and there's a lot of people I know who play it. And there's people who don't know a damn thing about their army. Mm -hmm. You know, they play it because they like the way it plays. They play it because it has the the flow that they're looking for from an army. Kind of like how you play Risk or something. Like more you know. more like Magic. Okay. More like a Magic the Gathering thing. You've got red 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 deck players who like they're really fast, punchy, like comes out quick, does a lot of fuck up, and it's not necessarily durable, but man, does it come in swinging. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like a blue deck, which builds itself slowly and then comes in quietly and steals your shit and like <laughs> and, and, and and all and, and like so like there's this sort of stuff has the same levels within Warhammer. So like and so again, some people like for me, I enjoy learning all the backstory about it. For me. 
I feel like there's there's secret tactical lessons yeah. even in some of these stories because, for instance, the Death Guard are this this group of diseased, uh, Nurgle worshipping dudes. Nurgle. He's the the death, the death God, the okay. God of disease and, and decay. Um, and they move super slow, but they're super durable. Like you shoot at them, shoot at them, shoot at them, they don't go down. They're basically plague zombies. Mm-hmm. And so, but when you read about it in the stories, like I feel like the authors have played it, or at least watched this army be played, and they're like, this is the way it should be played. These are the ways that are most effective. And so you read the stuff, you learn about like what the army is and what it does, and then you can apply those ta- the, that, those ideas to your development of the tactics. Obviously, it has to match yeah. up with the rules in the game. And the books but, are multiple authors, right? Oh yeah, I mean there's. How do they keep all that straight? Where it's like, uh, like, I don't know what any of the characters are called. So, like, say you've got like Turtle Dude, and Turtle Dude can be shot fifty times, like you were saying before he gets killed. Right. But you've got thirty some odd books over there. Right. So that character has to, or that kind of character needs to be consistent throughout the whole thirty and That's true. all of their. Ba- are, are these teams of writers? Games Workshop these? is is the group. The Games Workshop produces Warhammer Forty K, and they are also behind the Black Library, which is the publishing company which writes these books. Solid um, fucking name for a publication. Right? It's actually it's actually something within the universe. The Black Library is the repository of all knowledge. And that's um, in the stories? That's within the stories. Very few people ever make it there because it's... Yeah, that's meta as shit. It is. It is. <laughs> I love Games Workshop. They they, they have all the they're British yeah. for one thing, and I just I feel like the British are just so good at, at, at making things so much more complicated than they need to be, yeah. and I love that. Yeah, I go love to, that. Go to London, try to understand the road system. It's I, just, I'll it, take taxis. It was designed for horses, and then <laughs> it all got blown up right. during World War Two. Right. Instead of fixing it into a grid system, they sure. just rebuilt the old stagecoach system. <laughs> Circles everywhere. <laughs> God damn. But yeah, so they basically they have a really good editing team at Games Workshop, and they kind make sure that everything's consistent. Yeah, like Stephen King's got that for himself because he writes all of his stories mm-hmm. in uh, like I think it's Derby, Maine, is where he sets most of them. Word. And so all of his books reference his other books, and so he's got a whole editorial staff that has complete knowledge of all of his other books. <clears throat> so that when he does the cross references, like in it. The bully in it, you remember, yep, yep. is killed in the beginning of Christine by Christine, the car that drives itself. Right. He is the bully from it. Is the guy that dies in chapter one of Christine, and so <clears throat> continuity. You yeah. Yeah. You wind up with these large continuity maps that go on forever because every book references every other book, I and know. he needs his own editorial staff. Sure. So something like this runs very similarly. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it spans years. These a lot of these books are, are and they've changed the lore a few times. There's been a few times where they're like, you we know have what? to after a while. Well, yeah, you've been doing it since the eighties, yeah. <laughs> and especially the art style. Like I look back, and I know some people love the eighties art style for Warhammer, but I I love the <laughs> sleek modernness of it. I got I got involved in eighth edition. There's some people who are gonna listen to me and be like, what is he talking about on yeah. here? He's only been <laughs> eighth edition is the current edition of Warhammer. Um, <coughs> well, you. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm coughing. Uh, you fell on you fall on uh, big things later on. That's what you were talking about with the video game. Tends yeah. to be what I do. Like I, I got right into No Man's Sky right after this patch yeah. dropped, and apparently everything got awesome. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, the game is just awesome. And then I, you know, I got into ESO right after a big patch dropped, and it became awesome. And then I, I got involved in Warhammer as Eighth Edition came around, and apparently Eighth Edition is awesome. Fuck and yeah. so I just have a, a habit of being lucky, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. So how'd you find it? I am a part of a unit in Belagar. Let's see how this all ties together. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I assumed it did. I was... My unit in Belagarth <laughs> is called the Dark Angels. Now, if okay. any of my Dark Angels brethren hear this episode, yes, I know we are not based on the Warhammer unit anymore. We have nothing to do with it. We're our own thing. I, I, I know that. It doesn't mean that it didn't inspire me. <laughs> because we're very different now. Again, the, the Dark Angels of the Warhammer universe, we're not even trying to cosplay or anything like yeah. that. We just use the name because it's, you know, it's edgy and cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... So I got into it like that. That middle row right there is all Dark Angels books right there. Okay. Like I see a Caliban, uh, Trials of Az- uh, yeah, Azriel, all that. Dark Imperium. Uh, nope. Come over here to the black bookshelf to the next oh, side. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones are all okay. Um, so those were the ones I started reading first because I was like, these are the ones that like have the same name as my my Belagarth chapter. Yeah. Um, and to, to again go back to classifications, Belagarth is organized into realms, which are geographic entities. So like my cities practice group is called a realm uh, a unit is your team like the chargers or the or the 49ers or yeah. something like that but those can spread all over the place so i'm a dark angel who lives here in missoula montana most of my dark angel brethren are out in michigan or tennessee or illinois so um i'm alone out here <laughs> but i'm a part of a larger group called the triad now the whole triad um, this is relevant i promise uh the whole triad is kind of loosely inspired by some of the space marine chapters in warhammer 40k okay. so you have the brotherhood of the falcon which is loosely based on the raven guard they use very similar colors even um and then you have the um elite blood falcons who are loosely based on the blood angels yeah and so we're all supposed to be kind of like imperium based and that sort of thing and again most modern um triad members do not associate with the Warhammer stuff. It's their own thing. They've, they've, done, they've done their own stuff with it. That's why most of them changed their names. Mm-hmm. We're still Dark Angels because we're edgy. Um, still a cool name. God, I love it. I do. Um, so I started reading those books because I was like, you know, this this seems like it would be really just a cool fiction mm-hmm. to be into. And then as I was reading them, in the very first book I was reading, I fell in love with this character. He was just so multifaceted. And the way they explain magic or, or Psyker um, um, or the warp stuff in this universe is really cool where it's this corrupting influence it's it's like this is a very if margaret thatcher's england was 40,000 years in the future that's warhammer 40k yeah she's um, gonna sink the shit out of your shit <laughs> <laughs> um oh crap what was i saying margaret thatcher margaret thatcher going back oh and dark so like again it's it's so dark and everything and like everything is so extreme and i'm I, again i'm i'm nominally Catholic and so the the imagery of particularly the Dark Angel chapter really appealed to me because they're based off of like a monastic Catholic feel. So like gargoyles? Lots of gargoyles, lots of hoods, lots of chanting, lots of incense, lots of prayers. Ceremony. Like all that sort of stuff is in these stories and it's really cool and I fall in love with this character and he dies without, I mean I didn't expect it. I pride myself on when I'm reading something or when I'm watching something like I'll usually be able to sit there episodes ahead or, or chapters ahead and be like this one's gonna die, yeah. and this one's gonna die, and these two are gonna fuck, and then these two. And like, it's I, very just, easy with TV shows because you're like, oh, they've gone three episodes without truly investing and developing. Right. That guy's gonna be walking through the woods and catch a bolt through the face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but with called the, every shot in Walking Dead, like right. as they happened. Yeah, I, like, I, I this is it. I lost my interest in that show for the same reason. <laughs> um, but in this universe, with the exception of plot armor, where there's a few characters that are essential to the core plot of 40K, yeah. and they're likely not going to die not in any significant or lasting manner. Um, but with the exception of that, everybody else is fair game. So a lot of the times, my favorite characters end up dying. Yeah. Um, and so I watch, it happens. I get I get shocked to my core, and I finish this book with this thirst, 
with this thirst in me to read more in this universe, to understand more, because there was so much that was referenced that I just did not get. I was like, yeah. who is this emperor? Who who was Horus? They talk about that dude. Well, you started what was in the, the heresy? Of the series, right? Well, yeah, I just started in the. I, I didn't. I, I didn't read anything in the background, or, or yeah, it was just. Yeah, I was. I was new to everything, and so I, I like. I've read basically nothing else for the last two years, and I, I just love it. There's so many different facets, and there's mm -hmm. so much to. But I also understand, like, I've got friends who are like, ah, I just like playing the game, you know. No, I mean, there's that, there's that aspect to it. But I mean, this breeds so much more because it makes you think about it on a whole different level, gives you a whole different appreciation for it. And these, and when you've got something oh, yeah. that runs that many books deep, you mm -hmm. know, it opens people up who may not necessarily enjoy reading or know right. what to read that gives you you know not a free 30 books in a monetary sense mm -hmm. but it gives you an easy 30 books that you can not easy either but you know what i mean they, I they, they all follow sequential order so you can <laughs> you pick one up you go and you want to go back and get the others you've got 30 novels that you're going to read right there that right gonna you know dive you into a weekly or nightly habit of sitting down and reading a book and there's so much again the diversity within the universe i like the difference between a space marine book and a chaos space marine book is huge i would recommend a space marine book to most people yeah you might like a chaos space marine book I'm, I, I, because they are twisted mfs you know what i'm saying like they, they are they, they i don't know how they tie uh, back to cormac mccarthy but <laughs> if i can make it through blood meridian i trust my stomach <laughs> No, and like I said, I think you would enjoy them. I would not recommend them for most people because mm -hmm. they're very graphic. And so, like, each of the different factions in this, it's a whole galaxy, and they fill it thusly. And it's just, yeah, I adore it. It's an incredible amount of space from a creative perspective um, to write within those galaxies. My issue's mm -hmm. always been I'm not a massive sci-fi fan. Anybody who's listened to this show and listen to me try to explain anything sci-fi related i step on my own tongue i mix characters up i don't know where darth vader was or you know what his planet was called i you know i live in this but i've always been able to appreciate um because i base so much of my own writing in the real world um i've been able to appreciate you've created a planet or you've created a galaxy um <laughs> nick is gonna shoot his cat um, you can create like a <laughs> it was a Nerf gun before Peter gets on the fucking phone. He didn't shoot the cat. He just cocked it against the door and the cat shut the fuck up. Um, but no, I've, I've, what I like about science fiction writers is that they have the capacity to create something that does not exist, cannot exist right. in reality um, and put it out, you know, hundreds or thousands of years in the future or on the other side, you know, in a time far, far away, wherever the fuck they're, you know, doing their thing. Right. And they don't have the same benefits. I can write a story, but my story's going to involve the couch that you're sitting on, the table that everything's hooked up to, the pictures that are on the wall. I don't have the ability to close my eyes and think of the Death Star, you know, and try to come up with life on the Death Star and what a stormtrooper would do on the Death right, Star, right. you know. But I, but I also think that in that same way, it's the sci-fi authors have more of a, a hard task of creating a believable alternative universe. Well, it's the same issue like what we were talking about last night with the utopian and dystopian yeah. authors. You have to be able to create the perfect place. So you can't just stop at, you know, this is 
Dennis, and Dennis lives in a house. Right. You have to be able to go, well, Dennis, his water runs because the government figured out X, Y, Z. You have to think every detail down. Right. The same thing in sci-fi when Mm -hmm. you've got 30 novels that are based around all these wars that have never occurred. Right. And you have to keep up that line of thought. It's an incredible creative feat. It's just a thing that I I have issues with because there's no machine guns. (laughs) <laughs> there are machine guns. There's a ton of machine guns, and they and they fire depleted uranium rounds that are propelled by rockets. Whew. Got to give those to Donald Trump. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> you can just avoid that. That is fucking brilliant, man. But you, all that aside, the, the 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 creativity that goes into this writing is. It, it, it contributes, but it's very different to the, the, the creativity that goes into the actual tabletop game. And okay. it's the same thing, again, like, you can be the most creative storyteller in Belagarth or in Warhammer 40k. It ain't gonna make you better. How does it tie, like, how does it compare, and I, I don't know why I'm asking this question, hopefully for the, the microphone's benefit, for all you guys out there, um, who may have played Dungeons & Dragons, how does it compare in that, is it similar at all, or is it two completely separate types of things so i know there's world building in dnd there is there is uh and by and like large dice and by and large if you're doing out. a warhammer 40k game now there's there's there are rps there are there are role-playing games within warhammer 40k where you can sit down and you've got a character sheet and you're rolling dice and it's about the storytelling the majority of what, what happens in warhammer 40k stuff is the warhammer 40k tabletop which is all about this battle happening right now. The background of it doesn't necessarily matter. I always okay. make one up because I like a little bit of flavor. So is it like chess? Yes and no. It's like chess if you could pick your pieces before you went in. So let's say you're a rook man, and you want to make sure you're playing with more than two rooks. So mm-hmm. you, you decide that you're going to sacrifice a, two, a couple pawns so you can get a few more rooks because pawns are worth a certain number of points, and okay. rooks are worth a certain number of points. You would... get 2,000 points, let's say, to build your army out of. Let's but say it would a... minimize the amount of things on the Correct. field. Correct. So you're, you're looking at number quality versus quantity, and I'm that's actually a huge... With a shitload of pawns. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a huge dynamic. Yeah. For instance, the Tyranids, or the Orcs, often rely on that dynamic, where they just fill the field with two... 200 plus pawns and it doesn't matter how good your bullets are because there's just that many orcs coming at you um, whereas like space marines for instance they are highly trained elite soldiers with the best equipment the best armor the best bullets oorah sir yeah. and they there's only a few of them on the field now they will kill a lot of, <laughs> of other models before they go down but and this is this when you get into the, like the nuances of an elite army versus a horde army yeah. versus a gun line which I like to play which is to say that I put some fluff in the front some dudes that I don't mind dying and then I have some big expensive weapons that I put behind those dudes and I use those big ass guns to blow you away because infantry win fights tanks win battles Artillery wins wars. The Air Force will destroy <laughs> mankind. <laughs> but you haven't even talked about Space Force yet, Brett. We're, this is Space Force we're talking oh, about. See, <laughs> that, that is where we need to cheers to Donald Trump. Um, He's finally know, bringing the Space Marines, bro. That and getting us out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Promise, Kristen, we weren't going into My politics. bad, my bad. I'm sorry, Kristen. I'm sorry, Kristen. <laughs> I was like, we might launch our own political debate. We'll tease this. I mean, fuck it. What do we got? It's me, you, and a microphone. Um, 
if you guys would like to hear some sort of a political thing, I am a libertarian. I refer to Nick directly as a communist out of jest. He is a socialist. With, I'm a social yeah. capitalist. I believe in both of Adam Smith's books. We agree on the important things. We disagree on the minuscule horseshit. We yeah. have the same end game, but uh, I feel that we have arguments that are compelling to one another that keep the conversation going on overnight. And I'd be down to do that if uh, if anybody would like to uh, to finally write us an email <laughs> and, and tell me you love me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what were we saying? We we were talking about um, Donald Trump, Space Force, Space, Space Marines, Force, Space Marines. Marines. So yeah, the different types of play styles within Warhammer 40k. Yes, gotcha. Um, you can have a shitload of or three or four Space Marines, and they can fuck up a whole shitload. But of literally, bombs. again, as long as this game has been out 30 years, people are still coming up with new ways to play these armies. Yeah, you can be brand new to the game and come up with a really good idea that They're wins still tournaments. They're figuring out chess. They're trying to beat computers yep. at this point. Yeah. And so this this is an amazing, constantly evolving strategy game that, like for me, I grew up playing Risk, and then I moved to Axis and Allies, and then I moved to Diplomacy, and what all of these games lacked to me was true tactical flexibility. I was like, I would never go to battle with this. Yeah. Why am I being forced to have just normal plastic soldiers when I know full well that I would go in with a shit ton more big guns? Yeah, I'd lead with an airstrike. That's, that's <laughs> right. So like, so everybody like, and Warhammer 40k lets you do that. It lets mm. you build your army the way that you want to play it. And so if you want to be an Eldar flyer spam kind of guy, you don't know what that means, but that, that's that's basically space elves yeah. with Sounds super like fast... Sounds Stein's better brother. Dude, you want to, it, it, like an Eldar flyer spam list is a terrifying thing. <laughs> it's a terrifying thing, and, and it, it's a way of playing. Even a Warhammer, the Jews run the world. <laughs> I was just going to gloss over that one. Flyer Oh, God. Come on. Oh. Flyer Stein. I... I Funny, Nick. Oh, I will take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> if you occasionally hear me hissing like Darth Vader over here, it's because I have a vape. And that is the uh, witness protection <laughs> voiceover that I, that, I, that I put on Nick so he doesn't have to be that close to that anti-Semitic joke I just made. <laughs> I used to be a waiter at Jeff Epstein's Island. <laughs> sorry, Kristen, we're not going into politics. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's become like a running theme recently is if I make a joke about kids, you know, and she doesn't giggle at it, I just go, Epstein! <laughs> but no, man, you were talking, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that kind of spiraled there. You're okay. It tends okay. to happen. We, we, you've been having beers, I've been having a little bit of whiskey, we're, we're okay. Here. It's good for us. Everything's okay. <sighs> Everything's gonna be all right. Um, but no, you were uh, talking with your friend Bobby last night yep. about the concept of taking Warhammer and turning it into like a um, something that is more accessible for the younger generations. Mm -hmm. um, would that do you think that would require not a? Uh, do you think that would require like making a children's version of the book? Well, they're already doing kind of, that. They they're, are. They're already doing that. There's already they're, they're, they they tested it. I know there's two. There might be more out at this point, but. Um, they're already testing children's literature in this universe, which is to say that you've got the same names of the races and the same yeah. names of the battles and stuff, but they toned down the excessive bloodshed and the swearing and the, um, the other violence insinuations that parents might not want their kids understandably reading. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it makes it a lot more accessible to kids because there are a lot of kids who are showing interest in it. I mean, there's a lot of kids who are getting into gaming younger and younger and younger, and Warhammer is a very cool, very complex way to game yeah. in, in your and own it's way. It's very social. So it's very social. It's what it's like the only way I get out of the house at the moment. I know that's going to make me sound like a massive neckbeard. You should see my glorious beard. It is not a neckbeard. Nick has a number of medical problems, and uh, we're working through. We are. We are. PT is awesome, and uh, medication sucks, but it's a necessity sometimes. So it's a medical state for weed, and that's also an upside. See, see that, that, medical, that, that medicine I don't mind. That medicine actually helps me. The other medicines make me stupid. And, and, um, I wasn't going to say that, but... It that being said, the other medicines keep my muscles from spasming constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so these are things that you can do, you know, in house as well. Right. Still have social exposure. Right. Yeah. And 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 the the thing that got me to thinking about how I could kind of reach these kids with the <laughs> Warhammer 40k is because I've um, been doing a program at the high school that I graduated from since my senior year of high school. Is it I, Hellgate or Hellgate? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome name for a high school. Um, awesome and, story behind this town. If any of you got one on Wikipedia, that shit. Yeah, we, this is Wild Wild West out here. It's, yeah, it's outstanding. A vigilante trading post. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking go look it up. Go ahead. Um, but uh, so when I when I was going there, I had realized because as a sophomore, I got into Bellagarth, and I realized how much it helped me as a high schooler work through my stuff when I had a, a group of adults who I could honestly go to. And honestly, those adults didn't introduce me to that yeah. to that side to the party side of Bellagarth until I was of age. So I need I, I want to put that out there. I was not partying as a teenager <laughs> under these adult supervision. They were very, very good in their stewardship of me. I'll put this out there. I was a full-blown derelict. I went to my first AA meeting at 17. Boom. But, <laughs> but, um, but I'm still here. I, I, but but the, again, the mentorship was the part yeah. that really, really affected me. Maybe so I, I wanted I wanted to continue that, though, you yeah. know? like So my, for my senior project, I started the Gladiator program, which is still going. I still volunteer at it. I still help Gladiator run it. Gladiator program? The Gladiator program. Oh, shit. Call it the Gladiator Program. Okay, cool. I somehow managed to sell it to the school board to let kids beat the crap out of each other for catharsis, and I was a good enough public speaker at the time that I pulled it off. You're like, are you not entertained? Well, I, I had one speech and debate two years in a row in that yeah. time, state speech and debate, so I, I could give a good impromptu speech, and you best believe I didn't go in with notes. <laughs> <laughs> So are they still do. doing that? Is it like an after-school? Yep, it's, it's, it's type part of thing? the it's part of the flagship program as an overall thing, and we use Bellagarth as as a modem to teach kids the kind of the martial art aspect of it after school. And so we, my buddy Oni and I, we go down and we. Um, teach the kids how to fight and we teach them the four because there are forms i mean there's there's as many forms as you can think of basically yeah. anything that does work when you're throwing a sword does work but there's certain angles and there's certain ways to throw shots that work better than others do you use any speaking. sort of uh like specific martial art like i can't is it kali that uses the sticks? yep there's one of them that was uh, it's, it's sir kirian's 12 shots and okay. that's based on i believe kali or, or eskrima one of the two um, and then there's another one that's by Sir Sumatai, and it's his, or Warmaster Sumatai, and it's his 12 shots, and that one was based more on uh, Kempo. I think it was, it was on like, a, a broke down Kempo forms, because he yeah. was a black belt in Kempo, where uh, Sir Kirian was actually a black belt in Eskrimba, and both these guys said, this martial art is absolutely applicable to this foam fighting game, and now we've seen an explosion of people who treat it like a martial art, and who treat it like an actual sport, and it's, yeah. it's really cool. It's really cool to see it evolving the way that it is. That's great, man. It's great that that's something that you can like give to the kids. 
you know, they took out the boxing programs, fuck's sake, they took out dodgeball, you know, what I would give to fight a kid with a foam sword, my whole life could have been changed, I was just trying to get fist fights well, in the I, courtyard. <laughs> and there's a lot of kids who come to us, and there's a lot of young men especially, and, and there's young women who come to our program too, but there's a lot of young men especially, especially young like men who could be classified yeah. as nerds who who have never participated in an organized sport who have never participated in in that in that kind of scene because it's just not their thing you know they don't they're, they're not part of that in group and it can be hard to want to do something if you're not included mm -hmm. but they come to us and we're like dude we're 32 year old nerds who are still crazy about this you're not weirder yeah. than us guaranteed yeah. <laughs> so so come in and hit your friends and so they, they have a place where they can come and be themselves and get some of that aggression out in a healthy way yeah. and I watch it turn them around I've seen kids come in their freshman year and have emotional issues that by the end of their freshman year or especially by mm -hmm. the end of their senior year they're able to work through a lot better and I'm not gonna say that my program is the only therapy or the oh, only thing not. helping yeah. them through it but I notice but a huge trend social it does it does. So, we teach them sportsmanship and we teach them how to how to be mm -hmm. proper com competitors while being good people at the same time. Well, like people like you and I, we chose our you know our uh, hobbies, crafts, loves, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Like mm -hmm. my my writing and uh, your Bellegarde thing. Sure, sure. Um, out of a sense of uh, isolation, you know, let it be from the home or the school, whatever right, it was. Right. Um, you're looking for something, and that gives that uh, person who wouldn't typically. Um, reach out to anybody uh, say you, you find a 15 year old who needs a 17 year old to be like dude I know this sucks right now you can't get your dick wet the only thing you're good at is math the same story bro but I'm 17 now and <laughs> you know yeah, it's, you, it's huge for building those, you know, you those tug, cross class relationships yeah, yeah. you tug them Yep. And, you know, they're not your bender from the breakfast club type character. They're, they're more like the other guy, the, the, the guy who has to shove the weed down his underwear. We get bender, too. Exactly. We get bender, too. And you need more benders. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would go back in time, grab little Brett, and be like, hey, shit, Dick, go over with these guys, quit hanging out with these guys, beat each other up in the fucking forest. <laughs> and that's the thing about the flagship program is it is, it's, it's part of an anti-drug, um, anti-alcohol coalition. Is that um, what the flagships for? I don't yeah, think we had those in Tennessee. Yep, it's, a, it's an after-school program that's dedicated to keeping kids away from drugs. So we the, take uh, that very seriously. Yeah, all the after-school programs in Tennessee <clears throat> were encouraging kids to do drugs. <laughs> yeah, not this one. Not this one. It gives it, Mostly it just gives kids something to do after school with yeah. adult mentors. Um, and so bringing them back around, I wanted to start including wargaming in the, the Gladiator's kind of instruction. Because for years uh, I've done often on something called the Officer's Academy. And what that is, is an opportunity. It's not required or anything like that. It's an opportunity for the kids who want to learn a bit more about complex strategy to come and learn from somebody who's been studying it their entire lives. And so yeah. we go over things like the Book of Five Rings or Sun Tzu's Art of War. And we go over the oh, concepts. crazy amounts of those type of books. Too. I do, yeah. I do. And, I, and I, that's, Nick is not yeah. just honed into what we've talked about thus far. I'll reiterate, you were a massive religious studies major. Eight years. You read an incredible amount of ancient history. You've got a massive uh, control of language. It, it, you're a very intelligent guy. Uh, this is your passion. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I wanted to be a, a religious studies scholar for the longest time. Um, Basically got there, yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that paper man um but uh and so what i wanted to do was bring that knowledge to them and, and what i noticed when i was teaching it is you can only give kids so much more book work before they look at you like you're another teacher 
And yeah. one of the things they like about Bellagarth is that I can't f- think of a single high schooler that wouldn't, on some level, enjoy hitting their friend with a stick. Yeah. It doesn't matter how cool the book is. Some kids get they to the end of the day. They just get their quote-unquote cool friends to turn the other direction. Right. They would have a fucking blast with them. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, but the other part, like I was saying with the, this other thing, is is you know, trying to get them to want to read another book, no matter how cool the book is, at the end of the day. It's just hard. And... and they're tired, and they need something that's more active. And so I started playing Warhammer 40K, and I was like, wait a minute. This is it. This is the way to teach these complex strategic concepts, um, but in, an, in a way that I can show them, in a way that, that we can have these cool little models that yeah. look like demons and soldiers going at like this yeah. war together. Because your, your nerd sitting in the cafeteria is the dude who's going to fucking wind up being the general. Yes. Like, that, like that's the dude. Nerds run the world. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> for those of you who have not served in the military, they teach you, uh, here's our plan, by with a stick in the dirt, and they go X, zero. X zero. They're doing if you don't what think we're that doing. fucking lieutenant with the stick was the same dude in the cafeteria moving little dragons around? Same guy. Yeah, like, same guy. I was enlisted. That was. <laughs> so my my desire is to use this medium of Warhammer 40k. And again, I'm leaving out a lot of the more graphic stuff. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not sending them home with these books because I don't think their parents would appreciate them, yeah. that. Not yet. But um, you know, when they're 18, they can make their own choices. Um, but. What I do want to impart to them is, is, again, that tactical stuff. Because, again, there's only so much... Like, I can teach somebody um, how to sword fight very well. But one of the hardest things to teach about Belagarth is how to see the whole field at, at one time. Because we're taught... Like, I want you to get into your head the fact that when I'm talking about a Belagarth field, it can be anywhere from 20 people to 3,000 people on the field at the same time. We're well, the, talking yeah, the a day war. That, the day that my dad and I dropped you off to one after you got in from the airport, there right. were at least 50 people just hanging around outside. That was just a practice. Yeah, and dad was like, we're going to go get lunch. I don't know how to comprehend this. <laughs> and that was just a practice. These events draw people from all over the country, and they number in the thousands. Yeah. And so there is tactics that go into that. There is a uh, strategy that goes into that, but those are things that can be hard to teach somebody if they don't already have a mind for those sorts of maths already. I like Warhammer because it's like freeze frames of the different part of an actual battle. And so you can look down from... Because Warhammer's a dice game, and, it, and, and a lot of times in actual warfare and in actual battle, or even nerd battles... It's just a lot. It's right place, right time. Sometimes mm. the bullet just gets you, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And that's a real part of war. And so I like the fact that Warhammer takes that into account, but it's not the most important element. You can tailor your army to work in a certain way, just like a real army does. The U.S. Army has tailored itself to work in a very particular way, yeah. and it's good at it. Um, the Viet Cong tailored themselves to work in a very particular way, and they were very good at it. So these are two different play so styles. Vietnam into a shit show. Was the army was very good, killed a whole shitload of people. The Viet Cong were very good killed a couple of people <laughs> the end of the day and then we left not getting into politics but sorry it, Kristen <laughs> sorry Kristen support, yeah. support your troops not a good though not a good war but continue oh yeah yeah, yeah. But, and so I, I found this and it was very successful the issue I was having and I was stoked about this kill team box yeah. you see behind LBJ me LBJ would have played more Warhammer the whole fucking world would have he would recognize. Oh yeah, yeah. The 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 enclave strategy was not great, um, but so so what I had noticed because I, I did this briefly and I was trying to use Warhammer 40k, which is the large full armies. Now these these fights between experienced players can sometimes take twelve hours. 
Oh shit! Now I don't mind that because I'm a massive the nerd. No, 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 not those. The, the, the Warhammer, the Warhammer yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, okay. can take up to like twelve hours to do. And so this after-school program that I'm running, um, I've only got like two hours, and and a half hour of that is getting people to sit down. And so um, <laughs> we don't have time for a full Warhammer game. And so yeah. I was sitting there, we, we'd only get through like a round or two before we couldn't do it anymore. And of course, we didn't have a stationary place where we could just leave the board set up and then next week come back to it because we're using other teachers' classrooms that need their desks for mm, learning. <laughs> and so... Quote, unquote. No, the, 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 the teacher... Depends on the classroom. <laughs> I was always in language <laughs> teachers' classrooms and the language program at Hellgate is fantastic. Oh, okay. They were really good. Um, so I don't want to diss them at no. all. <laughs> For my reference, I did not grow up here. I'm not talking about the Hellgate people. I am talking about a very specific group of teachers at Riverdale High School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They hear it, just to let you know. Just in case me reading a book during your lecture didn't convey that I didn't give a fuck what you were talking about. Didn't give a fuck what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I loved just about every single teacher I interacted with at Hellgate High School, except for one, you know who you are. Yeah. No, come on, Miss Starrett, I'll fight you in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I and so Kill Team is Warhammer 40k but scaled down. Okay. So instead of using is a this massive the, army, the thing you were doing with the kids. That, yeah, that's the box you. This is the box I was just okay, showing cool. you. So yeah. what I was doing with the kids was a full Warhammer 4TK. It was not working for the time constraints we had. So I, I'm now gonna this hopefully this next year be doing Kill Team with them, which is a small. It's like a squad of dudes going against another squad of dudes. And honestly, that's more what you're gonna see in Belagarth anyways. We yeah. do get the fields of up to like 3,000 people, but more often than not, there's gonna be 20 people on the field. And so that sort of dynamic, that sort of of field awareness is what needs to, because the, because the tactics are different. If you've got a squad of dudes going against a squad of dudes as opposed to armies, you've got totally different ideas of how you're going to play those things going off. And they're the same in Belagarth and in 40k, yeah. just they're, they're different frame rates, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great, man. Uh, so we were talking with our cousin <laughs> earlier, and uh, she'd mentioned um, the uh, flagship programs herself and I was thinking because um, there's apparently a film uh, flagship that mm -hmm. they have out there as well uh, that I wanted to run by Kristen to see if uh, she would mind coming out there with all like the shoulder rig equipment because apparently they don't they, they're using camcorders over oh there yeah the yeah the flagship program is massively underfunded at this yeah point. no so I was thinking you know that'd be a hell of a way to spend an hour after work you know go over there and hang out with the kids. Maybe I'll hang out in one room and be like, so, who wants to write stories? Who likes reading books? You want to learn more about plot? They Come love to that, 3A. They'd love and then that. And grab Kristen and she's got the big shoulder rig and she's like, this is the shoulder rig and this is the boom mic and this is how we light the room, you know, doing they, shit like that. You would melt their minds, man. They would no, love that. Uh, that should be our mission. Let's do that this year. You, me, Kristen, we'll head down there. We're going to try to now, Take over I, Hellgate. I, I, I work with the high schoolers, um, and, and Maddie's I'm, I'm currently going to middle in, school. I'm popping into the middle schoolers. Word. Sort of, I'll be like, Word. hey guys, before you think you're super cool freshmen, let me just show you some Cooper, super cool shit. Make sure you coordinate first, though. There's a lot yeah. of paperwork that goes into being a flagship volunteer. I'm not volunteer. just going to walk in there with my portfolio and be like, let me talk to your children. Well, and, <laughs> and they want to protect the kids is the thing. Like I've had some of my friends, because back in the when, we used, I used to have just like guest fighters come in from the realm. Yeah. And none of them were pedophiles. None of them were bad people, but of course, they yeah. could have been. 
And so uh, I, I know the school system cracked down on the number of like, like you have to go through a paperwork process before they let you hang out with the kids, which totally makes sense yeah. because I wouldn't want a stranger who hadn't been vetted with my kids either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that yeah. I have kids or I'm planning on having kids, but theoretically. Exactly. But no, I think that flagship thing's beautiful. I don't think we had anything like that the entire time I was growing up. We had like the ROTC program right. that made you stay after, like student council that right. made you stay after. But you didn't have adults coming into the school. Like if, if like one of my creative writing professors would have come in my senior year of high school, I would have stayed an extra hour after school to listen to Dr. Arroyo explain sure. to me the concept of a flash fiction. Mm-hmm. Like that would have been something that would have probably kept me out of a shitload of frat parties I didn't belong in <laughs> when I was like seventeen, just that's crashing those shit. That's the point exactly. of the, part of the program. No, that that is a that is a beautiful concept. And it's a beautiful thing that you're doing with it, introducing something like this to them. Well, I find that a lot of the people that are coming to my program are people, like I said, who aren't reached by other programs. And and that's not necessarily faulting the basketball or the football or the arts or the music programs because they're all fantastic in their own right. But there is a subset of people who express themselves differently. And I feel like we're, we're kind of a net yeah. for, for those guys and gals. Well, and not just the strange, but like I, again, we get. I there was one one of my most successful fighters. She was also the, one of the school's star basketball players, and oh, also shit. one of the school's star swimmers. She was unapologetic about her nerddom. Like her her popular friends would tease her about it, and she'd be like, "Go down there and get well, your I ass kicked." I think it's a cool thing now. <laughs> I think I, no, I think I think it's way more acceptable now than it sure. was even ten years ago. Oh yeah, so we get all sorts. Like we, we, we get outsiders and outcasts and, and they I share the same thing. I used to write poetry in the back of ones. the bus and people would be like, What are you doing? I'm like, masturbating. Just don't know that I like poems. <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm reading sure. T. S. Eliot. It's like oh, I got a Playboy. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a lot more acceptable now. I mean, yeah. and, and nerd culture is because, like, especially because Star Wars and even Star Trek and that sort of thing are becoming so much more popular, and and the the whole taboo nature of nerddom is becoming less taboo. And I know some people complain about it because it's becoming less exclusive. But wasn't that the whole point of nerdery in the first place? It was exactly. a place to express yourself, man. Yeah, I mean, that should have been it, but it, it gets pushed off to the side like this. Like you're not expressing yourself, like you're like walling yourself up, like you're inselling yourself, and it's it's not that. Some people do isolate. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say that that well, it's never happens. Not finding but the, the community. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I th- and a large and again, I I think a lot of that starts. In, in high middle school and high school. And I think one of our big problems in our society is that the only adults that kids interact with on a regular basis are teachers who are tired of them already and their parents who are tired of them yeah. already. They're not necessarily interacting with a whole lot of people, a whole lot of adults that share the same passions that they do because I'm not dissing on parents or anything, but not every parent loves the same thing as their kids. Do you think the right model is that Montessori model? Or do you think it's more like the public school system model? Like the Montessori being like, like your kid goes into kindergarten and the teacher like sits at a desk in the corner and there's like fifteen things that the kid can do. And I so think I think we're already asking a lot of our public school systems. I think teachers are already massively overtaxed in in preparing kids not just for standardized tests, which is most of their year at this point, but but also preparing them for whatever they might need to know to be a citizen. And so the kind of social contact I'm talking about isn't necessarily the teachers to provide. Well, it's a village raising the child. It is a village raising a child. You could have a Montessori-esque public school system. Oh, yeah. You would have to have the creatives in the community sure. investing their time into the children in that community. Yep. Like, yep. 
when we hang out with the cousin. Mm -hmm. The cousin is a very creative cousin. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic. Creates everything that you... Paints, draws, sings... Stop motion film. Stop motion film. She's next level. She's smarter than I ever would have imagined at whatever age that she is currently at. And how excited she gets about science because like she can go to her art class and mm-hmm. the the big thing she gets in trouble for at school that she told me about today was that she shaded in a picture that she wasn't supposed to shade in. Right. And the teacher said, just go home and erase the shading and everything's going to be okay. The teacher didn't batter over the knuckles for being... Like, the, the, the pictures she draws are things that I was doing sophomore year of high school. Like, she can, like... That a ball drawing that you learn when they're mm-hmm. trying to teach you how to do the perfect circle and right, right, shade right. the floor really dark and then like, um, you know like uh, shade the whole page sure. so that the whole thing looks a little darker. Use your eraser to create the light. She's got that hammered. <laughs> she's a very she's very impressive. I I've yeah. always been I'm. My creativity has always been in music. That's mm-hmm. my my creative expression has usually been in music, and so. But I, I grew up. My best friend was Amanda Combs, and Amanda Combs was the best artist I knew all throughout my time growing up. And yeah. I was just so impressed and so enamored with every single thing she did because the best thing I could do was a vague approximation of Cocapelli, maybe. <laughs> um, whereas she was drawing like worlds, whole worlds, whole dioramas of things that told a story. And I'm sitting there, I was just, I was so impressed. I've always been impressed with visual artists, man. Like they just... It's they, not my art form. It's not mine either, yeah. but I but I love it. I love it so much. And, and, I, and I do whatever I can to encourage it, you know, like my wife and I try to buy a lot of local art and that sort of thing because I just, we just, we love it. We absolutely love it. I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm I think those flagships are great. I, uh, and I think what the Warhammer does, you know, as far as uh, creativity and, and forcing you to be creative, mm-hmm. opens up dimensions in people's minds where most people don't like view themselves as creatives. Sure. Uh, but if you're having to come up with your whole like character background, your army background, you're having to like comprehend 30 novels, memorize all these facts that are going into it. Right. I think we're playing the same goddamn game. I just haven't figured it out yet. No, I, I, and I think it's, it's. I often, when, I'm, when I sit there and I, if I talk about religion with people, again, I'm very well read. Before I even got into yeah. school for religion, I was reading religious books from the time that they let me check them out of the library. Like, I have been obsessed with religion and culture and, and the history of, of religion and culture for as long as I've had sentient thought. Like, that's yeah. something I'm obsessed with. And so when I talk to somebody about Christianity or about Hinduism or anything like that, they're like, man, you're so much smarter than me. And I'm like, I'm not, though. I just read these books. If you'd read the just same read books as me. Books. We did. And so, and so, <laughs> I, and, and so it's, I, don't think, I don't think it's right for you to compare yourself or, or to chastise yourself for not knowing a universe that you haven't exposed yourself I, I to. I do it out of fun. Oh, yeah. well, okay, well, never mind. If we're jesting, yeah. that's cool. But <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of uh, self-doubts you gotcha. know, in my own intelligence. I feel very stupid. Well, let me so build I, you up, brother. So, no, don't build me up. <laughs> I so got to build no, you up. No, it makes up. me uncomfortable. I'm a Nick. hippie. No, no. Kristen's tried to do this on the podcast, and all I did was have a panic attack. <laughs> I have a college degree. I'm a veteran. I know, I know that I'm competent. <laughs> oh, good lord! I was, just, I was just raised by a man who stuck his finger in my face and said, "You're not good enough." No, okay, don't, no, no, no. Bless him. Ah, Bless him. Fuck him. <laughs> 
joking. I I'm speak Southern. Joking. Didn't you hear me speaking Southern just there? Yeah. <laughs> you, get that, you get that JD in your son. You bless get, his little heart. Oh, bless his little heart. <laughs> You're as smooth as Tennessee. <laughs> oh, nice. Good push. Good push. Oh, God. You can keep talking. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. You started hitting buttons, and I'm no, suddenly I, like, what's he doing? No, what's going on over there? Nothing. Um, but yeah, so I, I enjoy I enjoy the... And again, the, the kids come up with so much more than I would. And this is one of the things that I that I have to say about leadership, too. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I've, I've been told a lot of times that I need to run for realm leadership because we have a president of the realm, a vice president, and a secretary who all fulfill bureaucratic obligations in keeping the realm running. Um, and that leadership is important, much like in other places, because it dictates the, yeah. the message and the direction of a realm. And I'm often told I need to run for it because I am able to talk to a lot of people. I get along with most factions in the realm, and I understand a lot of the levels of things. My thing is that I'm already old by Belagarth standards. Like most athletic communities, uh, being 32 in this community means that you're actually already kind of middle-aged because people age quicker in athletic communities. You're doing yeah. a lot more damage on your joints. You're doing a lot more damage on your bones. Um, and so people drop off a lot quicker. In your late 20s and early 30s, you see a large number of people who stop playing the game, start coming out, stop coming out to events because they just can't physically do it anymore. I could see not playing but I can't imagine not coming out to the event. Well, I get it. I mean, like, you just get out of the habit. Yeah, no, but you, you just get out of the habit. You just become the, the bartender. You I, know, I'm not like going to ever. I'm like never the, retiring. With, like, the crooked back, and you're just I'm never retiring. Like, hey, how's it going, I met guys? A fella, water? <laughs> I met one of the original founders of the triad in Tennessee. He didn't tell me that, though. I just met this old man on the side of the field who showed me how to improve my game and gave me some solid advice that made me a lot better of a fighter. Yeah. And then I come to find out he had this whole history and that he was one of the founding members of the triad. And then he was this really big deal. And then he kind of, he died soon after that. And I was actually super honored to have met the man because he was actually a, a super big deal all over the sport yeah. and especially in that realm. Um, and I kind of want to be that guy. I, I kind of want to be the old dude that doesn't necessarily fight anymore, but is like, you know, <laughs> if you just held your shield up a quarter inch more, how they, old was he? Uh, he was probably in his sixties or seventies. No he, he died of cancer. He died of cancer, but um, yeah, he like and he he just stayed active. He just he, he enjoyed. He enjoyed, and it's the same joy I get out of it. When I have a student, and I only get to be a part of these students' lives for four years most of the time. But when I have a student come in their freshman year and they stay with me until their senior year, and I get to watch them grow as not just a fighter, not just a Bellagarth community member, but also as a person, it is one of the greatest joys and honors I've ever known as a person as a human being like it is just I, I, I think I honestly think it's a part of it like I said I don't plan on having kids yeah but I think that it's a part of every human's duty to participate if you're not fucked up in the head in raising the next generation mm -hmm. because that's the most human thing that we can do um, and so th like this watching this this progression watching these things so I, I totally understand it like I met this fella and I'm like I totally get it I know you're still here even though you don't fight anymore I totally get it because you get to care of the younger nerds that's right that's right, but so I don't. That dude was around when Tolkien was writing Star Wars. That's it? right, but he was given sage advice Tolkien when it was needed. Right, Star Wars. I know. I, I just glossed right oh, over okay. it. I glossed okay. right over it. Kristen, Tolkien was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where you're baiting me. <laughs> I'm your older brother. 
I know that doesn't mean much in terms of genetics, but I, I met the I met this dude the first time, dude, and I've, I was like, this I've guy. I've known you for ten years. Yeah. I, I I I didn't think it had been that long. I was trying to wrap my been fucking a while, head around. Yeah. No, I was like seventeen, I think, when I met you. Mm-hmm. Seventeen, eighteen. I was somewhere in there because I hadn't quite gone off to college yet. You met me at a very strange time. Yeah, in my and life. then I joined the service. I got out of the service, and uh, lo and behold, now I've moved to Montana. I'm hanging out in the bunker. We've known each other for a goddamn decade. Nothing's going to be a goddamn surprise. I like it. It's good. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, I absolutely. It, it's, it's a, it's good. It, it, it's, it's again the best thing I've ever done. And I encourage more adults to do it. If you, if there's programs yeah. in, in any in adults area yeah. that you can share your passion, because whatever your passion is, as long as it's not. Let me put an addendum in. As long as it's child appropriate, um, you're, there's probably kids who share your passion. There's an anime club at the school. I'm not. A, I'm. Not, I, I like certain animes, but I couldn't teach this club. There's other adults who are more better at teaching anime club. Of there's course. a photography club. There's computer science club. Like there's all sorts of different things that you can do as an adult to reach these kids and and make them feel more a part of our community. Because again, what we do in our society is push the kids Isolate out to the side. Isolate the artist. Right. Yeah. And instead of bringing them in and saying, hey, here's a community of people who, who are passionate about the same thing you are. I mean, we don't do that to musicians. You know, as a musician coming up in the public schools, I was surrounded by musicians because they had the band. same classes. Yeah. The band is the quote-unquote nerdy mainstream And it was great approach. as a musician, but there was nobody there who shared my passion for wargaming. Yeah. yeah. I knew they were there in the school, but we didn't have a place to meet. We didn't have a place to go. And so I'm providing that. And so maybe maybe you're looking at your schools and you're saying, you know, there's not, uh, I don't see a, a short a short uh, 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 fiction yeah. thing in my school. I don't, I don't see any sort As of like... As a writer, they gave us the yearbook club. And I was like, do you want to write a blurb? And it's like, no, I'd, I'd like to write a novel. Is there anybody in the school teaching that has done that? Well, I got te- <laughs> I technically got chess club, but that wasn't nearly complex enough for me. I needed... I mean, not to say the chess isn't infinitely complex, yeah. but I just... I needed more little space dudes in my chess. You know what I'm saying? No, I got the, uh, the ROTC... Raider Club, where mm. we woke up and we did obstacle courses and then hung out in a friend's garage where we drank all of his dad's beer. And that, was <laughs> that seems like a fairly normal Tennessee childhood. Not to offend any of your listeners who are no, from Tennessee. I, I, I loved Tennessee dude, when I was there. Do you Don't think I moved wrong. to Montana without coming on here twice a week, trashing Tennessee? It's, it's half of how I make my bread and butter. There were a lot of things I liked about Tennessee. There were a lot of things I didn't care for there. It smelled like urine. The sky trying to reach down and kill me. I come from the mountains. Yeah, the lightning. No, no, the tornadoes, tornadoes. dog. Dude, I was driving to work slash school one day, and, and I know I've told you this story. Stand a mountain, if you're but, still basing that thing between Nashville and Chattanooga, calling it Mount Juliet, I, you can go fuck your mother. Yeah, the Smokies are lovely hills. They are lovely hills. But. I drove over the Continental Divide. It scared the shit out of me. My ears popped three times on the way up and three times on the way down. But I'm, but I'm driving, and I see... See, in, I look over in this field, and it looks like God Himself has reached down, just scooped up a chunk of earth, yeah. and casually tossed it to the side. Like a golf club. I needed a few minutes, Brett. <laughs> I needed to just stop for a few minutes and and consider my place in life because that's not something that happens in the no. mountains. We had one tornado like Looks 35 like years ago. It cleared out in yeah. one neighborhood in particular and then everything else is fine. And, but everybody from that area is like, oh, it's whatever. And I'm like, the sky is literally trying to reach down and yeah. crush the life out of you and it's just fine? Yeah. Okay. Like 30 people died last Wednesday, but Gross. why not just keep driving down I-24? 
<laughs> Midwestern. I mean, I suppose people look at our blizzards and our winter and say yeah. the same thing. But it's. I mean, it's it's just normal. To well, us, every so. person in every region has a different sure. challenge. Like up here, I'm scared shitless of the winter. It's You'll a thing fine. you've dealt with your entire life. Yeah. I learned how to drive during the winter, during exactly. one of the worst winters I, I we've drove, ever had. I drove, or I didn't drive up the road that you learned how to drive on, but I drove past it and your mom told me the whole story. Um, but, like, I grew up around tornadoes. I went to Japan. They grew up around earthquakes, right. and, like, the cars would just clash off each other in the parking lot. And it's like, no, no matter where you go, something's trying to fucking kill you. I'm more worried about the bears because I definitely <clears throat> want to go up in the woods and I'm trying not to get killed by a bear. As an out-of-stater, I recommend you pick up a pamphlet on yeah. on preventing a bear attack. Again, I What kind from, of pistol can I carry to kill a bear? Honestly, a thirty-six is the most you're going to need. A thirty-six? A thirty-eight? Uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. I swear I know my guns. 357? I don't drink anymore, guys. This is like <laughs> the first time I've drank in a while. I've so. got a thirty-six and it's like, they haven't made those since 1887. What no. the fuck? 38, proper little revolver, a 38, um, and that's usually what most people carry. Just because it's loud enough? Yeah. Yeah. Because mostly, uh, a bear rushes you, it's because you spooked it, and it's just trying to show that it's bigger and defend itself. If you make a loud-ass noise like that nine times out of ten, yeah. it's going to be like, oh shit, uh, and then and then, and then peel out. A 38's um, snappy, so it might be that high-pitched noise that sends them off. But like, do you need like a 44, or like a 45, or like, like a 454, like... Honestly, if a bear is barreling down not, on you, I've got a big pocket knife, and that's my only hope is just start that, sticking it. That skull is very fuck. thick. Is no, the I'm, thing. I'm going ribs all day. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in terms of bullets, the skull is very, very yeah. thick. Got to um, hit it in the eyeball. And so, honestly, practicing bear safety is better than shooting a bear. I mean, it's not bad to be armed. It's not bad to have it, even just, again, to scare it off. Just be like, whoa, and then fire it off into the air or whatever. And the bear's like, okay, cool. You know, I don't want to go near the loud noise either. Um, but yeah, and, and so, but not carrying, like, if, don't take jerky. I know it's an easy no. snack, but don't take jerky or anything that smells remotely like jerky. Can I go up with trail mix? Trail mix is good. I like trail mix. Trail mix is all right. All right. Um, don't leave any trash behind. Uh, make plenty of noise is one of those things. Uh, I, again, I'm from here, so I try to forest walk. I try to just kind of blend with the forest to hey, see what I'm going to so see. Hey, so I heard the other day. Yep. Yeah. Sh shout and holler everything. Have conversations with the podcast. Sing along to the new Tool <laughs> album. Whatever you got to do. Uh, it's a good way to keep them out of your hair. Um, and then just don't go too far back in. They don't actually want to interact with you. They have no interest in being down near people most of the time. They have no interest in, and if you are near them, being any, if they hear you, they will peel out. So, are they big dogs? Kind of basically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't ever look up a picture of a hairless bear, it'll give you nightmares. Does it look like Effie? Or it looks worse. <laughs> Effie, if Effie was a, was a crack fiend. It's horrid. God damn. <laughs> Well, I, I think I left my phone upstairs, so I'm going to open this real quick. It, it, it's not going to affect anything. Do you have anything that um that you wanted to hit that we we didn't cover? Um, well, I, I think we had talked about one point about maybe talking about the podcast. Idea oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Go for it. But I'm not sure if we have time for that. At no, this we point. got we got plenty of time. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've got a couple of ideas for podcasts, because usually when I meet people, and I don't mean to toot my own horn here, it's the only time you're going to hear me boast, but they tell me that I have a voice for radio. It's very kind for you them did. not to say face, um, <laughs> but 
I, I've been told that I should kind of do these things, and I have a, a wide variety of interests that people have expressed interest in as well. And so there's a couple of podcasts that I've been tossing around the idea for. One of them is is much like we've been doing today, uh, using wargaming, which is to say stuff like Warhammer or Belagarth and military science. Uh, to talk about these general themes because even though people aren't actually dying uh, game theory and war uh, and, and, and military science are, are very similar and they're all tied back and, into literature right and they're all tied back into literature and so this would kind of be a, a, a podcast that was exploring uh, the various levels of, of new competitive um, martial arts um, and then game theory. I mean, this is stuff that could be applicable to poker or, or anything like that. It's just generally good information for those who participate in a competitive manner. Um, and then the other one I want to do is um, I was writing a paper that I never got to finish uh, or never got to publish in college that was about, and, and I don't want to be called reductionist here, but there are a lot of similarities in the way people tell their stories. I'm sure you would agree um, that they get very featherly language and yep. first person, third person. Right, yeah. right. But 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 the themes, the overall themes of good yeah. versus evil, uh, moral imparting moral values, uh, teaching people about natural phenomenon that weren't previously understood, like you know a lightning god, Perun or Thor, uh, because you don't understand why the hell the sky is splitting open in front of you. Um, you know, these universal themes, I think, are, are revelations to explain a volcanic alley like you were right. telling me about last night. Oh, yeah, yeah, that too. Uh, and so I want to do a, a, a show basically on the, the similarities in religion and, and the fact that religion is a, a distinctly human expression and exploring it through that lens and, and, and showing the sheer humanity and the, and the universal nature that religion has. And you don't necessarily have to be religious to, under, to be able to appreciate something like this. I'm, I'm agnostic at best. I'm not going to sit here and claim that I know anything about the actual afterlife. I've read the yeah. books, and I've talked to a lot of the professionals and a lot of the, the people who, who call this faith or their faith their profession, but I don't claim to know anything about any of that. Um, I just like talking about the literature and about the history and about the culture concerning that literature. Again, like you just said, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that St. John the Revelator spent his time in a cave in a volcanic region where he was sucking sulfuric gas might explain some of the imagery <laughs> in uh, Revelations. Um, and not to take away, again, not to take away from people who take religious value from this stuff, but I think it's interesting to know the cultural context into which these things were written. Um, and I think that's something that's lost in our current culture because we, we look so much about what does it mean to me? And a lot of Christians I talk to are like, well, I read the Bible and I say, what does it speak to me now? And I'm like, well, you have to understand the world David was living in to understand why God was speaking to him that way. We have to understand the world Jesus was living in as to why he spoke the way he did. So what we were saying yesterday, you wind up with the David and Goliath story. Right. It's, if you look at it as a metaphor, it's Israel versus the Philistines, mm -hmm. right? The Philistines, which are a smaller uh, subsection of the Phoenicians. Nations, which were a large, well-established military and trading force in the area, and the Israel Israelites, who were not, and who were trying to establish a foothold. No, they couldn't fight them straight on. They had to be tricky about that shit. Exactly. Um, Got to throw that stone right in Goliath's eye. Right. Oh, but there's also other interpretations about that. In fact, like because the the height of normal people was so much less back then, mm -hmm. it's also supposed that Goliath could have been just you're my height. You know, six, six and a half. Yeah. But because everybody else was four foot nothing at the time, somebody who's six foot, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> that's a giant, you know? Like, it, it was kind of like how now we look back, we call Napoleon short. He wasn't short for his time period. 
Yeah. That, that wasn't something they Four called the pole. Four foot nine was time. a pretty steady. That was standard. Steady age. No, not, not now. No, but. you walk around the Tower of London, they all like end at my neck. Right. I gotta like duck and you know hover. <laughs> you know? Some of the old hotels, even here, even a hundred years ago during the old West times, you go into some of the hotels that have some of the same room layouts as they did then. You, you're sitting there and you got your elbows and your shoulders up mm. around your neck, and you're like, I swear I fit in here. I swear I do. I paid for a room. <laughs> Is there if you were gonna do? Like, if we were going to do a pilot, and I'm just going to kind of brain bump with you, and if sure. you're not comfortable talking about this on no, the no. air, uh, let's let do it. Know. Um, if you were going to do a pilot episode just on the history of Missoula, Montana, because you've spent your whole life here, you're very familiar with the history here with Hellgate, the vigilantes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what would you bring, do you think? Um, as far as that was concerned, would that not be a, a, a topic that you'd be interested in? I might be interested in something like that. It's a bit more specific than what I would normally do. And I suppose... Like, this like is, it's a time era and it's <clears throat> right. vigilante, so it's, it is it is an era of combat and law <clears throat> and order. I mean, I could definitely... Like, I would definitely want to do something on perhaps, like, the Battle of the Greasy Grass, or as most people know it, the Little Bighorn. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things in school was to run kids through that scenario and to watch them make the exact same mistake as Custer made. Yeah. Like, every You're single class, it. I have run through that scenario. Where, again, you do it in vague enough terms, you use fantasy language. I'm like, these are the Gormbaroks, and we're invading the Hubaroops, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. You make it as silly as possible, but use the exact same facts. Like, I have not had a single class that didn't tank that battle. Yeah. They because didn't try to rush it too early and get fucked up. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and that's exactly how it ended. And so, and so that's the sort of stuff I, I kind of want to talk about, is, like, the battles... The, the actions that were kind of taken around the battle, what that means in terms of overall strategy, and maybe what it did to influence the, the, the ideas of overall strategy. For instance, the Battle of Cold Harbor in Virginia during the Civil War was one of the first times that trench warfare was used uh, in any time during like musketry. Like they had done trench warfare before this, but not like this. It wasn't the expanding, ever going, like the, the same kind of trench works was we saw in World first, War One. Was it the first trench warfare or was it the first American trench warfare? Because I'm not familiar with the Europeans. I just know that they started digging themselves in and we came in late. So, like, you know? Like the French and the Germans. They, know, I, I know that, again, like, again, trench warfare is as old yeah. as war is. Yeah. If you can dig a hole and well, be I safe. Thought, I thought it was World um, War One specific. I didn't know it no, was like, used at all. Before. But I'm talking about, like, the ever expanding crenellations, like digging a trench yeah, and then digging. The shit out of everybody and digging, for six inches. And then digging. <laughs> but, like,. But yeah, it's, it's like this specific type of trench warfare that involves an ever-expanding trench toward the enemy that it creates these super intricate trench works like you see at Verdun because it, it reached its height during World War One. That's why everybody thinks about the trench warfare and World War One. But it was first done, uh, at least in this particular way that I know of, correct me if I'm wrong, um, during the, the Civil War outside of, out of, of Richmond, Virginia. You are right, it was used in the Civil War, but yep. it had to have been used in because we again, I'm, I'm not sure if it was used the same way is kind of the thing. Because, again, they were digging trenches well, the, as a defensive the, fortification, but not big, as an offensive yeah, fortification. It's the big joke in Blackadder where it's like, why are we doing this? And it's like, so that the prime minister can move his tea cabinet six inches closer to Paris or whatever the fuck. But, you know, I, I, but the American Civil War was, was 1861 to 1865, yeah. and, and World War One was in the late 19-teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... 
they but of course World War One they were like we're going to do the same style of warfare we got but with guns, automatic we weapons got tanks, we got horses <laughs> we got swords <laughs> didn't work as well didn't the work Turks as well got with that fucked up yes and so did no, we. dude I I am down if we, um we need to schedule a date so that you can do all of the research that you need to do word. And um, I'll I'll sit here on the other end of it if you want to do one on Little Bighorn because I'm trying to learn about this area. I watched a documentary last night about right the West. Completely blew my fucking mind. Um, I'm trying to learn about this area, and I'm trying to like give you like when Kristen and I started this, we did like six or seven of these that didn't go live. So right, right. I want to give you an area to like make mistakes. Mistakes were made. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to where we can kind of uh, to bat this over, but I don't want to rush you on it. So we're going to try it. to come up with a date, and we'll we'll figure out the the battle. We'll figure out. I'll help you out with any research you need. And I'll, I'll be down. I'll sit here, and if you need me to sit here with your notes, so that I can be like, oh, so what about why is it Little Bighorn? You know, who was Little Bighorn? And sometimes that's one of the things I've been thinking. Like I, I might need because, like as you may have noticed, anybody listening to me, I do tend to carry on, and and yeah. it, it, it it does help to have somebody to keep you on on point. So Kristen does for me. <laughs> I ramble about too much shit. I hope we didn't get too off uh, topic, uh, no. Kristen. <laughs> we we had no topic. I had fifteen things written down here. We hit two of them. We've blown through uh, an hour and a half. Nice. You have to cut some stuff out. Uh, if she needs to, she can. But I'm going to go ahead and do the plugs. Does sure. That work? Absolutely. You got anything else you want to no, say? No, sir. I, again, thank you so much for having me no, on. I've no, had no, a great no, no. time. Of course. Um, you guys can find us at uh, facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions or on Twitter at nightmare at nightmareboxpro or Instagram nightmareboxproductions. Uh, you can buy the book, The Madman Diaries, at uh, the nightmarebox.blog. And go check out the dolls at youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington. Um, I love you, dude. I love you too, man. And I love you guys. And we'll talk to you next week.